0: How many times have you really been astonished? To be astonished means to have a sense of overwhelming wonder and surprise. Uh, There have been many times in my life that I've felt astonished. Uh, I remember not long after uh, Amy and I got engaged, which in itself was astonishing, but this was a little bit... Later on, I I was playing in a uh, a league softball game and I looked over and, and Amy arrived and sat in the bleachers. And I looked at her and she'd never looked more beautiful and I thought, just in a few weeks, we're going to be married. And I was astonished. Wonder and awe. I remember standing on top of Masada, that fortress in Israel with incredible historicity and looking down out over the, the Dead Sea. Incredible scene and, and feeling astonished. Certainly witnessing the birth of both of my daughters, there was a, a sense of awe and wonder and panic. Climbing a mountain in Southeast Asia for a view that took my breath away mixed with the fear that one wrong step would mean death, uh, there was a terrifying awe and astonishment. But I know people who lose their astonishment, something that astonished them maybe once and and it goes away, it turns into indifference or or worse. Uh, Like a couple who seem to be so in love that they They just couldn't bear to spend one minute apart. They couldn't keep their hands off each other. And then after less than one year of marriage, uh, they weren't speaking anymore and they couldn't stand to be in the same room at the same time. The astonishment faded. I I read this week, uh, travel writer Chris Guillebeau wrote an article called the, The Nine Overrated Tourist Destinations. Nine Overrated Tourist Destinations. I looked at this with interest. Number one, Niagara Falls. He said, Niagara is nice to see once, but you don't need to stay long. It's a big waterfall. Wow. How much longer until we can go home, I thought. Number two, the Grand Canyon. He said, technically impressive, but there's so much hype, it's so hard to live up to expectations like that. So we called it the Decent Canyon, the Not Bad Canyon, the If You're 10 Miles Away, Go See It Canyon. What a loss of astonishment. We gather today to celebrate something that is without question astonishing. God forbid that we become indifferent or bored with the truth of the resurrection. And it's my job to reawaken your astonishment. To declare to you and to remind you once again that this is a life-changing event of good news. As a church, we've been studying the Gospel of Mark and his account of Jesus' life and death. And today we come to the end of Mark's story, uh, the empty tomb. On Friday, Jesus' body, His corpse, was taken down from the cross and it was wrapped in a uh, a linen garment, burial cloth, and, and put into the tomb. And the tomb was sealed. On Sunday morning, it was empty. And without that event... The rest of Jesus' story is unimportant. So we pick up Mark chapter 16, verse 1, and it says, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Him. Very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. So let me just explain this for you, that the Sabbath ended after 6 p.m. on Saturday. And so that was when the stores reopened, Saturday evening. And so apparently these three women uh, went to go buy aromatic oil that night. And then early the next morning, very early, they took what they had purchased that night and went to the tomb. Now the spices that they bought uh, were not for embalming the body preserving the body the jews did not embalm their dead other nations tended to like the egyptians but not the jews this was simply an act of love it was a way to honor uh, and pay final respects to their loved one jesus these spices would also help to hide the odor of the decaying body now this is the third time these women are mentioned they're they're very integral to uh the, the death and resurrection story of jesus and they are, in fact, the first witnesses of the resurrection. And this is important, because Jewish law did not respect the rights or the testimony of women. The ancient rabbinic literature of Sotah, this is not a Christian writing, uh, but Sotah said this, Sooner let the words of the law be burned than delivered to women. Not a Christian writing, okay? But, but that's pretty severe. And yet women are the first to discover the empty tomb. Uh, The risen Jesus first appears to a woman. Uh, Understand this principle, that those discounted by the world are the ones God counts first. Uh, That's how God works. So your spouse may run out on you. Your family may disown you. Your friends might desert you. But God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Your employer might make you expendable, but God says you have great infinite value to me. You might not be well connected or well educated, Uh, you might not be the best looking or the best dressed, but through Christ you have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. You may be last in your class, the last one chosen, the last in line, but God counts differently than that. Through Jesus, you are cherished. You are safe in His care. You're covered with His promises. So no matter how the world looks at you, how the world counts you, you are loved by God, chosen in Christ. Never let go of that. You Continue. Verse 3, and they were saying, these are the women, saying to one another, Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb?'" So these women left very early in the morning to honor Jesus, but they didn't have a plan for how to deal with what was an enormous obstacle. Uh, The circular stone was what sealed the tomb. It was was easy to put into place because it was set on a sloped track. But once rolled down the track, it was difficult to remove. Uh, The stone would either have to be rolled back up the incline, Uh, or or lifted out of the groove altogether. And and these three women could in no way do that. Uh, All the male disciples who could have helped were in hiding. In fact, that moment they were probably praying that the soldiers would never find them. Then verse 4, But they looked up, and they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Uh, The Greek word for very large, megas. Mega. Exceedingly huge. So this stone weighed between 2,000 and 4,000 pounds. And despite its enormous size and weight, this stone had been wrenched from its place. Verse 5, And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. The women were alarmed Because they expected to find a putrefying body of their beloved Jesus. And instead they find a stranger. Uh, This young man was dressed, uh, according to the Greek words here, a brilliantly shining garment. This is a lutron, a dazzling white. Uh, Matthew's Gospel tells us that this was an angel. And so the women were alarmed. That word means they were thrown into terror. They felt terror at this. Why? Well, because Jesus is not there. And because this otherworldly supernatural being is there. And it was astonishing to them. So he says, verse 6, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid Him. Now inside the tomb was a stone niche where the corpse was placed. The women had actually witnessed Jesus' body being laid there on Friday when the tomb was sealed. And now that place was empty. He was gone. And the angel provides the explanation that He is risen. And that changes everything. Where was the body? If if Jesus was not raised, where was the body? His enemies didn't have it. That that would have made Exhibit A for them. The disciples didn't have it. Uh, Their lives would not have been transformed by a hoax. They would not have suffered and died for a fake, a lie, a con. That Jesus was alive was an idea that was too overwhelming for these women to grasp. Uh, They couldn't take in such a startling message. Uh, That's why they're terrified. Uh, These women were so brave when when Jesus suffered and died. They were so calm and sensible uh, as they dealt with the grief of His death. But now they are shocked senseless over the the news, the possibility of His resurrection. The spices that they had bought and brought with them no longer had any purpose. Jesus was gone, and grief was interrupted by bewilderment and terror. Now the angel has more to say, but that only adds to the astonishment. He says, verse 7, But go tell His disciples and Peter that He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see Him, just as he told you. Now I I want to point out to you there are two wonderful promises that are encapsulated in these words. This simple message from the angel. Two wonderful promises. Two promises that are so real and valid because Jesus is alive. The first promise is that there is forgiveness. There's forgiveness. He says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell the shocking news that Jesus is alive and include Peter. Don't forget Peter this guy who had arrogantly told jesus everyone else may run away but i'll never desert you jesus everybody else might fail you but i would die for you and then, with hours of boasting that peter denied he even knew who jesus was he cursed and he collapsed under the pressure of being questioned by a servant girl but the news of the resurrection the living jesus was for him too he's still one of the disciples can you imagine How how guilty Peter must have felt, how ashamed he was, the sense of failure and wretchedness. Maybe you've felt that too in your life. Peter surely did. But to this failed follower, forgiveness is offered. And in the years to come, Peter preached the message of the resurrection again and again and again to thousands and thousands of people. One of those sermons is recorded for us in Acts chapter 10, where Peter says this. He says, Jesus was raised from the dead on the third day, and everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Peter knows. He received that. Jesus is alive, so I'm forgiven in His name. That's the message. See, the risen Jesus puts together again what was broken that's astonishing and for those of you who know you have failed the resurrection changes everything the bible says there is now no condemnation for those who are in jesus christ that by his wounds you are healed and your guilt is washed away because of jesus that's one one promise that's in these words there's forgiveness the second promise is that there's a future there's a future. Notice what the angel said. He said, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So the angel promised these three women that they would see Jesus. They would physically see him. This wasn't an hallucination. This wasn't hopeful thinking. Jesus was not going to be some invisible friend to them. Once again, they would hear him talk. They would watch him walk. They would feel his touch. They would enjoy his presence jesus had told them this very thing hours before he was arrested he said after i am raised up i'm going to go ahead of you to galilee and they didn't believe it they didn't understand it they didn't get it and now while all the men are hiding in fear and the women have come to visit a grave jesus has gone on ahead to meet them they came to mourn the end of their hopes and dreams but this was just the beginning of everything. The resurrection is certainly not the end of the story. The resurrection is the beginning of God making all things new. And it makes the fulfillment of all God's promises possible. Including the great promises Jesus gave to us that He said, because I live, you too shall live. Where where Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you also may be. Those promises are true because Jesus is alive. It's astonishing. Now, now, I want you to notice how the women react to these words. I think these are fantastic words. Notice how the women react. Last verse of Mark. And they went out and fled from the tomb. For trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. So these women took off like they were being chased. They're terrified. I have never seen this part included in any Easter pageant. Never. Shaking and shocked, they run off scared. This is mind-blowing. These women are so astonished by the idea that Jesus was alive, all they could do is run away in silence. Now later on, they would see Jesus in the flesh, and they would talk a lot. The Gospels of Matthew and Luke and John record the encounters of the living Jesus had with his followers uh, uh, at least 500 before the end. But Mark stops his account here. Why do they have this startling response? Understand this. They did not expect a resurrection any more than you or I would today. They didn't expect it. It didn't fit their worldview. Jesus had told them multiple times that he would be suffering and dying and resurrected three days later. Told them multiple times, and they didn't believe it. It didn't fit their category. It didn't fit their worldview. And this was greater than their minds could conceive. Philip Yancey explains it this way. Uh, Phil's friend Bob McQuilkin was a photographer, a professional photographer, who loved the outdoors, He died in a scuba diving accident in Lake Michigan while on assignment. He was only 36 years old. Uh, Listen to what Phil said about his close friend. Bob was as fully alive as anyone I've ever known. And so when I heard that Bob had died, I could hardly absorb the news. It was inconceivable. I could picture Bob doing anything at all, anything but lying still. But that's my last image. His 36-year-old body in a casket wearing a blue flannel plaid shirt. I would never ski with Bob again. I'd never again eat buffalo burgers at his house. His widow, Susan, asked me to speak at Bob's memorial service. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. I said, here we are, sitting in a chapel, numbed by three days of grief and sadness, the weight of death bearing down upon us. What would it be like, he said, to walk out to the parking lot and find Bob? Bob with his bounding walk and crooked grin. But that's what the first Easter was like. The disciples had grieved for three days, but on Sunday they saw Jesus. Shocking. That's why they were confused and stunned and amazed. This was so astonishing they could only run away without a word. Later on they would tell everyone and anyone, and the good news would spread around the globe. But at first they could only wonder and tremble in fear. Let me underscore for you that miracles don't make faith. No matter how great the the sign, even then some will still not believe. Faith comes through hearing the good news and embracing Jesus. The miracle of the empty tomb itself will not save you. You need a real encounter with the living Jesus. Jesus. Now, now, honestly, if I were writing the, the, the reaction of these women upon hearing that Jesus was alive, I'd have them going like, Whoopee! Hallelujah! And hugging and dancing and laughing and crying and praising God. Instead, what, what, they're shaking, astonished, and running away. I, I want to underscore for you that this day is far more than a happy celebration, this is the day the world changed. life would never be the same because jesus is alive and that changes my eternal destination that transforms how i live life it revolutionizes my approach to work and money and family and self and and if it doesn't then i haven't understood what resurrection means i just appreciate this fact that god made you alive with christ The Scriptures repeatedly say over and over again, you were dead in sin. I was dead in sin. But Jesus is alive. And because He lives, sin is defeated. Death is defeated. Colossians 2.13, Ephesians 2.5, Romans 8.11 are just some examples of that uh, truth that you were dead in sin, but God has made you alive with Christ. And so for those who are battling grief today, I remind you that Jesus is alive and so death is not the end. For those of you struggling in guilt, I tell you again that there's no sin that Christ cannot cleanse. For those overwhelmed with stress, disappointment, fear, worry, realize again that the tomb is empty and all God's promises are true because Jesus lives. He paid the price we could not pay. He died the death I deserve to die. And because He lives, we too shall live. But this power of the resurrection only has value if you respond. Those who receive what God has done in Christ. Because as true and great as this miracle is, it only saves those who turn from their sin to Jesus. And if you understand you need to do that today, if you're ready to do that today, we are ready to assist you. Uh, As in a moment we bring this service to a close, we'll give you the opportunity to come forward. There will be people at the front ready to pray with you, to point you to Jesus, to help you in your time of need. It was big news a week ago when uh, Tiger Woods won the Masters Golf Tournament for the fifth time. Uh, As one publication said, Tiger Woods' astonishing comeback. Now whether you follow golf or not, you probably know who Tiger is. Given his back surgery, his age, his scandals, and the number of years since he last won a major, It was an astonishing victory. Tiger himself said, it hasn't sunk in yet, even though I'm wearing the green jacket right now. Another star athlete, Steph Curry, caught a lot of grief when he said, he went a little over the top and said, Tiger's win is the greatest comeback in sports history. Now, whether you paid attention to that or not, if you were just a little amazed, a little impressed with the result of a golf tournament, I remind you that we are here today to celebrate news that changed the world. News that was absolutely astonishing. Imagine what it would be like to hear it for the first time. Like, like the people who are crowded into that little Dampara Baptist church in Bangladesh. Every seat was packed full. All the children were sitting on the floor in the aisles and along the front. And all the other adults stood in rows in the back, filling that room, craning their necks to see what none of them, it seemed, had ever seen before. A film of the story of Jesus. And at the part of the film when Jesus was nailed to the cross, people gasped and began to weep. And as the Bengali saw the the agony and the death of Jesus and the, the fear and the desertion of His disciples, a hush fell over the room. And in that emotional moment, one young boy yelled, Don't be afraid! He gets up again! I saw it before! No matter how many times you have heard it, astonished all over again because life is hard pain and failure overshadow our happiness loss and sin deaden our hope but the astonishing news is that jesus lives And if you're overwhelmed by fear, if you're struggling in despair, if you're aching with grief, if you're burdened with pain, if you're crushed by loss and loneliness, let me point you to Jesus. And right now, in honor of the living Lord, I invite you all to stand with me. In these few moments as we sing songs of praise to God, people will be at the front ready to pray with you. And if you feel hopeless, powerless, restless friendless joyless here again that jesus the savior lives evil could not stop him Torture could not break him. Nails could not hold him. Death could not destroy him. The grave could not contain him. And at this very moment, our living Savior is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He is the sin-conquering, death-defeating, life-creating, hope-giving, truth-revealing, all-astonishing, soon-returning, King of kings and Lord of lords, and he is risen. Thanks be to God. We do together.